0: No purchase necessary for prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Like post-it notes around, like just to be like, check in. Then please do that because it's not going to be second nature to be like, all right, I need to check in with myself. That's what we're trying to cultivate here. Kind of just being aware of yourself. So maybe like throughout the day a few times, be like, okay, what am I thinking about? Like, where am I breathing? Am I breathing up here? Am I holding my breath? Am I actually like fully getting a deep breath?
0: Q music. Places, everybody places. We're starting in three, two.
2: Welcome to the Autoimmune Hour, where we look at the rise of autoimmune disorders. I've brought together top experts that range from doctors, specialists, nutritionists, researchers, and even those recovering from autoimmune to bring you the latest, most up-to-date information about autoimmunity and how to live your life uninterrupted.
0: Thank you for joining us here on the Autoimmune Hour with Sharon Saylor. Always seek sound legal, medical, and or professional advice regarding any problems, conditions, and any of the recommendations you see, hear, or read here on the Autoimmune Hour, Understanding Autoimmune, and Life Interrupted Radio. Join the Autoimmune Hour's Courage Club. Sign up now at understandingautoimmune.com. Now, back to your host, Sharon Saylor.
2: Welcome everyone to the Autoimmune Hour. I'm Sharon Saylor from SharonSaylor.com and understandingautoimmune.com. So happy to be with you here on another brand new episode. Oh my goodness. I've got my tea here. If you're on video, you can see it's chai again. I know, I know. I love it though. Yes, it has caffeine, but sometimes that's what you need, right? So oops, don't need that in the mic, do you? Oh, yeah, great got hemp milk in it today. That's really tasty. It's got kind of a nutty taste in it. So hope you have something like a cup of tea or something like that or a nice beverage and to sit back and enjoy it because we've got a brand new guest and it's one of the, my favorite types of subjects where I call survivor to thriver type of subject where someone gets a diagnosis that they just, you know, obviously an awful diagnosis and are able to turn it around and really make meaning of it. And I just love those stories because too often, if you've listened to the show, you guys know that I call it white coat authority and that, that isn't all doctors. I'm not blaming the medical community, but I've run into those white coat authorities that say here, here's your diagnosis and that's the rest of your life. And you know, the autoimmune hour is dedicated to showing you that there are ways to thrive regardless of your diagnosis. So tonight, let's welcome Alyssa Frazier. She is the founder of LISMS, which offers a unique three-prong approach to to overcoming multiple sclerosis, which includes a nutrient-dense whole foods diet, which, you know, we've talked about diet and nutrition a lot on the show, and we'll get her take on that, as well as stress reduction and neuro-centered movement. And she went from being labeled as having aggressive MS and giant lesions on her brain to having very few symptoms today. And that's my idea of a thriver where we can control it. She used her diagnosis as a wake-up call. And <laughs> we're going to talk about that because I just want to say I hear you on that one, sister. <laughs> and refused to accept medication as the final answer. She now combines her experiences both a patient and I'll put in there a thriver, and has become a practitioner to create individual holistic approaches for her clients to improve their symptoms, feel better in their body, and create a healthy lifestyle that they love. So welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Oh my goodness, when I got your bio and some information. I just love it when people listen to the show and they say, you need to talk to so-and-so, and that's what happened <laughs> here, everyone, is Alyssa came through that way through an email to me. And what intrigued me first was to share a little bit of your story. When I read this labeled as having aggressive MS and giant, I was like, oh my goodness, giant lesions on your brain. So first off, I know most people are, know what MS if they listen to the show, but when I read giant lesions i had to do a little research on that so could you just tell us a little bit about what you went through
1: yeah for sure rewind to i think about uh 20 or 2009 actually right around this time actually um i was all on facebook and i'm keep getting the notifications of like oh this is your memory and i'm going through the diagnosis process so um so yeah so i was diagnosed uh august of 2009 and i was uh 23 24 in grad school for counseling and i had entered actually an abusive relationship the year before. So I had bigger fish to fry. I was like, I can't focus on this. Like I was a stubborn 23 year old and I'm like, fine, I'll just take the medication and go. Um, so I was fine for that in that way for several years until, um, I had to go off the medication to heal another, uh, unrelated infection from running. And I just never went back on it. Cause I, again, I was a stubborn 24 ish year old at that time. And I thought that I was like, meh, whatever. I don't need that. Um, well, (laughs) that was not correct. <laughs> and um, I found myself a few months later, just not feeling that great. And I woke up one Saturday with the entire right side of my body numb. Um, so I was like, this is this is not okay. So obviously, I went to I took, called my doctor, I went into the hospital for steroids for that's the usual course of treatment for a relapse. And I entered into a period where I had about three relapses in a year and a half, which is really fast for MS. Um, And at the end of that was rather big one. And I had an MRI and my doctor called me and he said, yeah, this is pretty aggressive. Like these lesions are not subtle. They're rather large on your brain. So we need to do something different. At that point, I changed medication because I had an aggressive MS. And I went on um, at that point, which was like kind of a heavier hitter drug to monthly infusion. And so I had to switch from like my daily oral medication, which wasn't quite working that well um, to this monthly infusion. And it helped a little bit. Help my symptoms, so I did that probably in September of like 2015 or 2014, and it was okay. Like it helped a little bit, but then I had heard about um, AIP or the autoimmune protocol, which is the nutrition side um, before, and I had just been like, oh, like totally overwhelmed of like, oh my gosh, I have to give up so much stuff, I can't do that. I'm doing all these other things. I can't do that right now. So then fast forward to when I switched medications, I was like, okay, this medication helped a little bit, but I'm still really tired. I still have a lot of pain. I still have all these symptoms. Like I still have all these sensory things that are present. So something has to give here. Um, So then I eventually I went full, like kind of full elimination AIP in uh, January of the next (laughs) year. For anyone who doesn't know, who's not familiar with that, it's I call it paleo on steroids because you you eliminate uh, gluten, grains, dairy, soy, nuts and seeds eggs nightshades like all sorts of stuff
2: legumes lectins (laughs) it goes on and on yeah it's down to a handful of foods
1: (laughs) yeah but the idea is like to eventually bring them back and like see what helps like see what works for you and does not um and then I found that after doing that after eliminating all those foods um the residual pain and fatigue that I was feeling and the sensory stuff pretty much resolved itself in three or four months so that was huge for me. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is giant. I need to like, I need to do something with this. Um, so eventually I I had always been intru- like, interested in like fitness, nutrition and that kind of stuff for myself too. Um, so I slowly kind of changed my career since I started as a mental health therapist in a residential program um, for adolescent girls, which is a very, very stressful job. Um, so I changed jobs because I knew the stress was not helping me at all. Became a health coach eventually. Um, I got my personal trainer certification and then started to help people on my own and like to see what I could do like for running my own business and helping people and helping them get to the success and the reduced symptoms that I had.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's such a wonderful story being able to make meaning out of a horrible mess. It's just Mm -hmm. a wonderful story. (laughs) And understanding that I too, when I went from survivor to thriver, the things that Alyssa's talking about are not difficult, I mean, to do, and yet they are because emotionally hmm. I was attached to a lot of the foods. I was attached to my lifestyle, you know. So yeah. I, I applaud people who are able to. A, make meaning out of uh, messes going on, and then also take the steps that are necessary. Because I like to say, you know, when I was given the list of foods I could eat, it was, you know, maybe ten things, and I'm like, "Are you serious?" Uh, not, and that's not ten things that I continue. As Alyssa said, you start there. This is not about right. for the rest of your life you can only eat ten things. I just remember being so resistant until one day I did it, but I was begrudgingly doing it. It's sort of like my health coach is making me do this kind of mood. Yep. And I remember until one day I ate one of the foods that were on the red list of like, not yet types of foods. And my inflammation in my body just skyrocketed within 20, within that 24 hours, went to bed and woke up and was just like, oh my goodness. And that was my moment where I went, okay, this is really doing something. Yeah. (laughs) So I applaud you for making meaning there. Now, a couple of the things that you specialize in really caught my eye because I'm just always fascinated. We've had Sarah Payton and uh, Dan Millman and ho- uh, other people talk about it, and I don't think it gets enough message. So I would love to have your take on the emotional nervous system and MS in your case. But I think understanding the emotional nervous system, is not it- just about MS guys, it's across the board in helping us heal our body. So absolutely. Talk a little bit about your journey and then your understanding and how you work with your clients on the emotional nervous system and recovery.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually just answered this on Instagram the other day of like, what, why, if you talk about MS, like why are you talking about the nervous system stuff too? And I, I outlined or kind of in the short answer on Instagram was like, because really nervous system healing is equals all of us, like all of our body healing, everything healing, because right, like, uh, the nervous system is not only linked to MS, like, it's obviously linked to our entire body, but every other disease. So um, our nervous system, like, when we say that, it kind of just means like the, the ability to uh, manage emotion, essentially, that's how I think about it. Um, And so like society and just everything has just been drilled in us that we have to hustle right we have to like be doing all these things and uh, it really takes us out of our body so a lot of us if not all of us unless you're actively working on it are kind of stuck in fight or flight um where you're kind of just always on the go and you're just kind of go like always kind of distressed because like that answer of, like how like oh how are you doing oh we're, i'm busy but i'm really I'm good i'm busy 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 like a lot of stuff going on you know like that kind of mentality and that living in that space just kind of allows us to live in that fight or flight place. And then that just being in fight or flight for a prolonged period of time, like ancestrally speaking, that's when we would run from a lion, you know, or fight the lion. And then we would go and be safe and then our body would calm down again. But we don't get that, um, that up and down. We're just constantly up here because we have to be running around for our kids or uh, going in traffic, like going to work, like we're late for work or something. So we, we chronically are living in this um, sympathetic dominance, which is sympathetic or fight or flight. Um, so really, to because we can do all the diet stuff, we can do all the movement stuff. But if we are not paying attention to our nervous system and how we kind of operate day to day, we're just going to be prolonging stuff. And like the nutrients that we're taking in can only go so far because our digestion is shut off because we're in fight or flight. Um, so I think really kind of healing anything, you have to get to the nervous system level.
2: Absolutely. If you are stuck in fight or flight, you're never going to get to rest and digest. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I find that I like to think about that stuck in fight or flight is you're not in absolute panic guys The people hear fight or flight and they think you absolute panic but just think of it as a low level stream of water running behind the scenes you know maybe you're out on a lovely walk and you hear a little stream in the background that's how I kind of think about where most of us are where we're in that low level background noise yep we never allow our bodies to get past that into rest or digest and that's really critically important do you have a couple of tips that if somebody's raising their hand and go oh I, that's probably me what are a couple of steps you offer your clients to be able to shift out of that especially if it's chronic most of us aren't even aware and maybe have been doing it for months or years
1: yeah for sure oh uh, so i would i would say all of my clients have been in this space and like, this is where I was too. I think just because like society just kind of lends itself to being in this autopilot state. First, we have to break out of that autopilot and let that just kind of running on just whatever the kind of loop that we have going on in our head, like kind of the monkey mind idea. Um, so cultivating awareness um, is the first step. So I I, I usually kind of like prescribe <laughs> to my clients uh, one to three check-in moments a day And absolutely outsource this, like outsource this awareness. So if you need alarms, if you need like, um, like post-it notes around, like just to be like, check in, then please do that because it's not going to be second nature to be like, all right, I need to check in with myself. So that's what we're, that's what we're trying to cultivate here, but kind of just being aware of yourself. So maybe like throughout the day, a few times be like, okay, what am I thinking about? Like, where, where am I breathing? Am I breathing up here? Am I holding my breath? Am I actually like fully getting a deep breath? Uh, where is my mindset? Like kind of just being aware of like where, what you're doing and what you're thinking about and like whatever, in whatever setting, like the alarm goes off or whatever. Um, but so like, say like you kind of have a check-in moment and you're, you notice that you're, you're late for something and you're running around. So maybe take a few seconds just to be like, okay, I'm I'm here, I'm present. Um, and take a few deep breaths to be able to kind of connect back to your body. But uh, getting that initial connection back is um, the first step.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> and breathing. I I'm such a huge fan of breathing for the obvious reasons, but also because I find it just one or two deep breaths, conscious breaths, where I'm thinking about it, focusing on it, can reset the body so quickly mm-hmm. that I am always amazed at how fast. But since we do it every day, all the do- all day long, I think we overlook how powerful and what control we have over our body systems just by taking a break and taking some conscious breaths. So I'm a yep. I like to say I'm a big fan of breathing for more than the obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah,
1: yeah, so and it been- feels. Oh, I was gonna say, it feels cliche to say, you know, like, just take a few deep breaths. But like you just said, it's actually really, really impactful for our body and our physiology, like to be able to connect and just have one or two conscious and, and aware of deep breaths. But it sounds stupid. And <laughs> it sounds like, like, it's not going to help It's all just breathing. But it really is one of the most powerful things because we have it all the time. You know, it's not like we need a tool for it. It's It's always with us.
2: Yes, it's free. It's cheap. It's easy. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it doesn't take long. Nobody has to notice you doing it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm a, I am ai just think conscious breathing, when I really learned to breathe, when I first realized I was stuck in fight or flight, my I too had that going on. And I think it's a common symptom of uh, sort of precursor to our body breaking downs in ways that we'd rather it didn't. But I think the First part of that was a conscious awareness that I was breathing so high, like in the upper part of my chest, that when somebody said belly breathing, I had to stop and think about it. And I was actually with a breathing coach and I was breathing, she kept saying, You're breathing backwards. So when the belly was supposed to be going out, I was sucking in. And when the belly was supposed to be going Mm. in, I was pushing out. And that's how foreign deep breathing conscious breathing was so guys give yourself some moments and take some nice deep breaths and right now actually because we're going to take it about a minute and a half break so let's all do some nice deep breaths and we'll come back already to jump into our next topic with alicia frazier we'll be right back
0: Life Interrupted Radio will return after these messages from our sponsors. It's great sponsors like these that keep this show coming to you every week. Be sure and stop by LifeInterruptedRadio.com to learn more.
2: Hi, this is Sharon. And of course you know me from here on the Autoimmune Hour. Maybe you don't know I'm also an author. My latest book is for kids. It's Pinky Chenille and the Rainbow Hunters, a winner of a five-star reader's favorite review. It's perfect for your early reader and a great bedtime story for your young adventurers. Check it out over at Pinky That's pinkychenille.com. That's P I N K Y C H E N I L L E.com. See you there. Research shows we apologize up to 10 times a day, and most of the time, we say sorry as a response to someone else's mistake. What if? We thanked people instead of all that unnecessary apologizing. So instead of saying, sorry, I'm rambling, you say, thank you for listening. Join us at ProjectForgive.com, a free non-religious resource on global forgiveness. Do you want to be a better leader? Have better relationships? Become more self-aware? Be a better communicator? Hi, I'm Sharon Saylor, best-selling author, professional speaker, and executive coach, and my life passion is empowering professionals to be the best that they can be. After years of working with professionals, I've discovered the seven things nobody is telling you that can cost you your clients, sales, and even your career, and I want to give it to you free. You've heard my show. You know my passion, and maybe we'll be working together sooner rather than later, so go grab this ebook now to find out the seven things that's costing you big time over at SharonSailor.com forward slash radio gift. Welcome back everyone to the Autoimmune Hour. I'm Sharon Sailor from SharonSailor.com. And tonight we're here with Alicia Frazier and she is the founder of LISMS and she offers a unique approach to living a very thriving life with multiple sclerosis. And I have her on the show tonight because I feel that her approach is not just about multiple sclerosis. Any of our diagnoses in the autoimmune category certainly can benefit from her approach to overcoming it and to managing it, even if that's where you are in the process of becoming a thriver. So welcome back from that quick commercial break there. We've talked a little bit about nutrition and a little bit about fight. Flight or freeze, and our emotional nervous connection to that. I also wanted to talk in the neuromuscular types of movements, neurofocus movements. Let's talk about what those are. I think I know in my mind just by the title, neurofocus movement for improving body function and symptom management, is how it was portrayed to me. But what what is it? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, so I like to think about it as kind of a, a nervous system centered approach. So like we can talk about like the musculoskeletal system. But in this approach, we're all we're kind of bringing in the nervous system too in the neural part. So it's like neuromusculoskeletal stuff, just looking at movement through a neural neuro lens really essentially. Um, so you know how if you go to like a, a PT or like a um, physical therapist or something, they will do some assessments and like do some gait assessments and you have to walk down the hallway and come back. And so they're looking for muscular skeletal imbalances. And so how um, I and my other and my other colleagues are being trained is um, to look at those kind of gait assessments or movement assessments and see how they... Um, uh, see what the root kind of is in your brain. So you can see like through arm swing, if you're like your your cerebellum is um, uh, kind of functioning properly or not. So like there's kind of different, it's just a different lens to look at stuff. Um, So when I like to talk about uh, neural movement, um, it's a lot of the same stuff that we talk about in kind of this regular movement. So like joint mobility, um, because but your nerves obviously like go th- like innervate things. And so you need functioning um, like mobile joints to be able to have proper uh, like neural connections in your body. Um, so I'm talking about that. I, I like to do um, I call it I called it slap it to map it. And so our brain has maps in our it, our brain has a map of our body. And so sometimes those maps can get a little bit um, blurry or kind of a little bit um, impeded because of like injury or like scar tissue or tattoos or like things like that. So what I do every morning is I just kind of tap or like slap everywhere in my body. So my brain is then connected to my body again. And so it's like, oh, right, here is your left arm in space. This is where it is. And like, here's your, here's your right arm kind of thing. And so that just helps to bridge the connection again between my brain and my body. So my brain has a little bit um, more confident about where my body is in space. And then, so the idea is to eventually like, lessen some pain um, because a lot of times pain comes from our, our brain not being comfortable or, or feel safe with the movement that we're trying to do. So our brain's like, oh, we're going to cause pain in your knee so you don't move because we don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. Um, so this is one way to kind of uh, slowly mitigate that and kind of bring that connection back to your body
2: and your brain. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> you know, I and I I understand the idea of that, the pain, it may start in a knee, maybe you've fallen down, skinned your knee or something like that. But once it heals, the brain can continue to hold on to the, the idea that the knee still needs pain for whatever reasons that it determines. Yeah. But I want to go back to this idea of letting our brain know where our body is in space. I find that fascinating. And the show is both audio and on video so if I just want to make sure that we're clear enough for people on audio listening to this so every morning I'm standing and I'm checking in with the various body parts and you say you take one of your hands and as if I'm noticing it, was like started at your shoulder and just gently kind of patted down your arm all the way down to your fingertips
1: yeah um yeah so it's not really like you're not slapping but it's just i called it that um but it's like more like <laughs> pat it to map it yeah pad it. padding is a better way to say it um but I like I start at my feet um really um and just kind of go I, I've had several ankle injuries lately so I really focus on my ankle um and really kind of like touch it everywhere like rub um especially around like my Achilles and things like that and then I just go up usually like just up touch everything my face get my ears my head my scalp everything um and then that just helps my body to be like to be more confident um in where like knowing where my body is so then there's less pain and less issues uh with moving it
2: wow okay i i love this idea cuz you can do it anywhere anytime, but it kind of reminds me it sounds like it's a little similar to the concept of dry brushing where you're taking a dry brush and you know uh, over all of your body and i find that that helps me relocate where I am in space, makes sure that I'm connected to my body and not dissociated from it.
1: Yes, exactly. And it's funny, you mentioned dry brushing, because another little avenue that I like to go to geek out on is lymph stuff. Um, So our lymph system, because our lymph system is really involved in healing as well. Um, So I do a lymph, Um, I do like a big, it's called big six and I it's a thing I do first. And so I just tap and rub here and then under my armpit, sternum, uh, hip crease and the behind my knee. And then I do the slap it to map it thing. And that's it literally takes under two minutes. But it helps me to feel more awake. Um, it helps my body to feel less pain and it helps my brain to be more confident in my ability to move like throughout my life throughout the day.
2: I love that. So we're our breathing focuses is just being in our body and not dissociated in any way. And then now we're doing the padding and the lymph. And I want to just go circle back around because so we start just on the sides of our neck for our lymph system. And then we move down to the other lymph points because we just mm-hmm. talked about I, I, I pat here, but I'd just like people to know on the audio yeah. the side of your neck. And so I think the lymph system... Uh, In a lot of the times in the early diagnosis and some of the more traditional methods that I followed, between the nervous system and the lymph system, nobody really mentioned those to me. And I'm thinking, let's think holistically on how we can heal the body, not just attack a few symptoms. Thrilled that people are starting to talk about this and... Mm -hmm understanding how that all plays together. That's fantastic. So we we can move our lymph system, we can do the padding to understand where we are in space. Sometimes, my words, I'm not real clear, but I'm just sometimes we sort of step outside our body due to trauma, Mm -hmm. instead of just um, pain or other things like that. Sometimes pain actually behind that is trauma. So how do we um, do you have like tips on understanding? Okay, is this just because a lack of physical activity that I'm in pain, or are is there things behind that?
1: Mm, yeah, um, that was another question I answered the other day on Instagram about are is pain or symptoms like only only physical, or is there an emotional component too? And there's absolutely an emotional component, especially with trauma, um, especially if like you either you have a trauma history or kind of. Uh, We talk like kind of in like the trauma world of like big T and little T trauma, like big T trauma is kind of like the abuse, neglect, um, domestic violence, those kind of things. But then little T is like the smaller things of like, um, like not being understood or kind of uh, repressing emotions. And um, I think a lot of us are carrying around some degree of trauma, um, but like also some degree of symptoms because of that. Um, So either it could be like a trauma or like emotional uh, repression, things like that, Um, that Just creates tension in our bodies, but then that tension can just can translate into pain and and restriction um, because of that tension, and so like that leads to like less oxygen getting into your muscles, which then leads them to not function properly, and so that's how I'm sure your listeners have heard of like trauma lives in the body, and sometimes people are like, well, what does that mean? But really, it means that it's like kind of living in your muscles in terms of tension and oxygen restriction because of these repressed emotions or these 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 moments of uh severe trauma or like severe um because trauma is once thought of of like when you think you like you can't get out of it or your experience is like you you don't have any control in that moment. So that's where a lot of pain and tension um can can start from, but then we can carry that with us obviously um until we work
2: on it. Oh, one of my favorite books is by Dr. Bessel Kolk called The Body Keeps the Score. I have it right <laughs> over <you're> there. <laughs> I might have paraphrased that title a little bit, guys, but you know, Bessel Kolk is his name and it's something like The Body Keeps the Score. Yep. I love that. I love that book. That was so helpful in my recovery process and understanding how those past traumas. And one of the things that I like to do when understanding those ways I'm holding my body I can't remember where I learned it from, but I noticed that one of the ways I hold it is I always plaster my tongue to the roof of my mouth under stress. Mm. <laughs> and I realized how when you do that, stick your tongue and kind of hold it to the roof of your mouth, how that impedes your breathing, it tightens your jaw, which tightens your neck. I mean, it's amazing how it could just be as simple as the placement of your tongue, how many body parts it affects.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and for that, like, our tongue is supposed to be at the roof of our mouth, but not actively, you know, like not so plastered. <laughs> yes. And so if you're plastering it, and like, you're kind of holding it there, and like grinding your or like clenching your jaw at the same time, like, that's obviously not helpful. And that's, that's increasing tension. And like, like you said, impacting your breathing and all of this stuff. So that, that, that's, that's part of what I talked to, like a little while ago about those awareness moments, you can, you can catch those, you know, like, that's when you can be like, okay, well, I was, I was, Just, I was just noticing I was holding my breath. My jaw was clenched and like, you have those. And then you start to realize like what your, um, I don't want to say triggers are necessarily, but like what your, uh, kind of cues are that you're not, you're either, um, in fight or flight or like not, or you're dissociating something like that. We can start to cultivate and create like a library almost of like, okay, well, if my tongue's plastered against the roof of my mouth, I know I need to go take a break kind of thing. Exactly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> need, At least drink water. Sometimes I find cold water helps realize mm. that at a really pinch moment when you can't go out for a walk or do something else that's uh, much more effective. I find even a drink of cold water <laughs> will help that habit of mine. But yeah. I, so uh, keeping track of those uh, default types mm. of events that we choose to respond to -to day-to-day life, I think is critically important. I like to keep a journal and it's, you know, people like, well, Sharon, you journal so much, but I found it really helpful in my awareness of a, okay, that is my one of my defaults. And B, am I getting better? Am I getting better at realizing when I'm doing it and understanding, am I overcoming that? And then c just to make sure that I'm not replacing it with something of equal, like I'm clenching my fists or something instead of my jaw. Right. (laughs) So as we talk about the emotional part of wellness and overcoming trauma, and I want to point out, I think getting a diagnosis is very traumatic. Too many medical professionals just sort of give you this diagnosis without any acknowledgement that, wow, you know, yeah. You just took a major turn here mm-hmm. in your life. And I think too many times it's right into the let's get this done type of care instead of allowing people to uh, grieve that something major just changed in their life. Yeah. What are your what are your thoughts about that kind of helping people understand there's hope?
1: It's it's so tough. You're right, because you're right. Like a diagnosis is traumatic, you know, like because your life is about to change. Either like it's about to take a right turn, you know?
2: Um, <laughs> I remember mine first off I didn't know the word it could have been super fat califragilisticexpialidocious I mean it, <laughs> it meant nothing to me but because of the doctor's body language I knew it meant something not right. so good and then just jumping right into correcting the physical without understanding there's a lot that just happened especially if you jump to Dr. Google which I don't recommend guys <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's a lot of good people out there like you know, the show, uh, Alyssa and others uh, out there with great information, but be very careful. Cause I even think jumping onto Dr. Google can cause trauma.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard because doctors are, are really, I think tied, like our hands are tied a little bit Um, because one, like our just healthcare system is not set up for having a nice long conversation with your doctor. You know, it's, it's seven minutes, half an hour, if that, and maybe you get a little bit longer depending on the doctor, but um, so I, I've actually really kind of taken my anger. I've paired it back from doctors a lot because I've realized that I used to be mad at them for not saying all this stuff like that diet could help you and all these other things could help you, but they don't really know. They get like a little bit of information about that in med school. Um, so I think the same is like the same kind of thinking with the emotional component is like doctors are trained to have no emotion about things. So, you know, like they're trained to have that separation. So we can't really require that from them when that's not part of what they're learning. So not saying that they shouldn't (laughs) talk about that at all, but it should be kind of like, Oh, you just got this diagnosis and let's talk about getting you a team of people to help you. So like maybe a counselor, a therapist, like a coach, whatever, like whatever they need to be able to help process the diagnosis. Um, So I think that's what I would like to see is kind of a more holistic team approach to things. Cause like, I don't think doctors, especially now, like, they're so overworked that they're not going to add anything extra or unless you find like an amazing doctor. Um, but yeah. so I think absolving the doctors of that responsibility, like has really helped me. Um, but I would like them, I would like to see like them bring in more people and just have that be part of the, how our medical system works um, to help people through that transition and not just put it all in the doctor.
2: Well, it's a great point. And I'm not angry at doctors. I mm. understand all of the types of things they have. Uh, I'm. It's more of a system failure in my mind that exactly when I was going to one doctor to recover, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. This was a very specialized doctor and that was my recovery, but I found it wasn't enough. And when I gathered my team, which now has six members on it, it's, it's fantastic. All of a sudden everything accelerated because i think it's up to the patient to get past poor me okay how, how do i move forward with this but it can be very traumatizing when someone gives you a diagnosis without and a lot of times they give you the worst case statistics right at that same time and without this telling you let, let's find you some some support we can't have it here in our medical medical clinic right now or something like that let's let's find you some support through this diagnosis yeah To me, hope was one of the biggest things. I'm I'm known as a polarity responder, which is sort of this idea of, well, I'll show you. Uh, (laughs) And uh, throughout my childhood, my mother would say that was not a good thing. But as an adult, (laughs) I have to say that was one of the things that when uh, the original diagnosing doctor gave me a bunch of terrible statistics, I got the hackles up. Yeah, well, that's not me. I'll show you. Mm. So. I like that idea of hope is sort of I'll show you as well, <laughs> stepping hmm. into that. I know we've jumped around and anybody that listens to the show for very long knows that I love rabbit holes, but I want to open it up. Like, What questions do you, are, do you hear often that I haven't asked you? What would you like to share that you say? Wow, so many people ask me this.
1: Uh, I think it's a, for whatever reason, like usually the first questions are all about diet. Um, it's like, what foods are the best? Like, what should I what can I eat? What should I eat? and all these things and it's it kind of goes right to like what should I do what should I not do and um like that's all like granted I started there you know of like having a template and stuff but I think a lot of this journey is really just doing self-experiments and trying to figure out what works for you because what works for me might not work for my neighbor or for another person with MS you know like we have to figure out what um what is the most impactful thing for all of us um So usually it's one of those questions of like, well, tell me all the things I need to do. And it's I'm like, well, it's it's kind of that simple, but like not really at the same time,
2: unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I started keeping a lot of notes, because I found what I do is uh, I'll find something that's really working for me and I'll start to really go great. And then I don't know, I get busy because I'm feeling so good so great and I'll get busy and maybe I'll forget to do that thing that was so helpful for a day mm. or two and then <laughs> so I keep notes because I'll, then I'll go back and oh oh yeah oh yeah okay I see I fell off the wagon there and let's go back to doing that that was helpful to me but I also want to point out you are so right that what works for Alyssa and what works for Sharon may or may not work for you I that's mm. what's been so profound to me and I can understand how the medical community could just be so pulling their hair out, like wanting to help each of us, but it's so it's, it seems to be very individualized. Yep, yep. One
1: of the biggest like tenets of my work is just bio individuality. Is that what same kind of thing of like what works for me and it might not work for you, and just you have to find out what what those things are that work for you. And that's great to be able to like kind of find have all these resources of like the shows and like bloggers and all these things that share what helps them because through that like you might try something and it's like something like you might even hear something that you've never heard of or that you would never try but eventually try it and see that it actually works so
2: and i love to try the the inexpensive or the cheap or the not like breathing <laughs> stress reduction sleep yeah. hygiene i don't like the term sleep hygiene but that's what they call it mm. this idea you know making sure Uh, you're really careful about how getting enough sleep and how you sleep and all those sorts of things. Those are all at a minimum inexpensive, if not free, that made a huge impact on my recovery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's funny because everyone is looking for the next best thing or the big trendy thing and stuff, but it's all the foundations. Like those are the really important things. So like dialing in your sleep, like getting good movement, like just having nutritious food, like those are the really big, if you're, if those things are not in order, start there, you know, like you don't need like all those fancy, like all the fancy supplements and like the new different treatments and like the cryo chambers and all that kind of stuff. Cause like, if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating um, well, if you're, if you're not moving, then like all of these things are only going to, only going to help so far, but then they're only going to keep working for so long. Cause you don't have those foundations in place.
2: So we're just down to the last few minutes here. Please share with us some, um, some of your, favorite tips and the things that you would like everyone to to know about yourself and how that they too can overcome diagnoses, even critical ones like MS.
1: Yeah, definitely. So like another kind of big thing in my practice is as like stupid small steps. So we can think that we're not doing enough that we haven't been eating enough or like eating the right foods or sleeping well, like all these things, but you only really need one thing a day, like one thing a day to see some progress. Um, So like kind of letting, letting the small stuff be good enough, um, which is hard, obviously, since we've, we, I talked about earlier that hustle culture and like kind of do everything culture, this really flies in the face of that, but it really, it really one takes a load off of like, Oh, I don't have to do all the things, (laughs) you know? So just pick one of these areas and like, maybe, maybe you're, you're like, Oh, I know I need, I could do better with my diet. So maybe that's like adding one vegetable a day, you know, like start really, really small. And then that really adds up. To bigger
2: things oh absolutely if we continue to do that we've done 365 new things every year so yeah (laughs) I'm a big fan of optimizing as well and continuing to make sure that you can add those little things and the the little things do become big things so fantastic and how did people get a hold of you how do they find out more about your work
1: yeah um i have a website um it's lissms.com, but it's lists um hyphen not the underscore hyphen m s and then i'm also on instagram mostly um at lists uh, period or lists period, ms on instagram
2: Oh, fantastic. And everyone, that is Alyssa Frazier, and she's from Liss MS, and she is a health coach. She's both a patient and a practitioner to create individual holistic protocols that help her clients improve their symptoms, feel better in their body, and create a healthy lifestyle. So thank you so much, Alyssa, for being on the show. It's been awesome to find out about all these things that helped you go from survivor to thriver and actually make meaning of your diagnosis.
1: Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Everyone, have a great week, whatever your adventures. Join us over at understandingautoimmune.com as well as on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all of those places. It's Understanding Autoimmune to find us there as well. And our past shows, you can find, all we're all you know we're coming up on 400 episodes here so all of those are over at UnderstandingAutoimmune.com as well and so join me next week for another brand new episode have a great week whatever your adventures try just a couple of new things to add hope and health and healing to your life enjoy
0: The information provided on the Autoimmune Hour, Understanding Autoimmune, and Life Interrupted Radio, including the websites understandingautoimmune.com and lifeinterruptedradio.com, plus social media is for educational purposes only. What you read, hear, and see on the Autoimmune Hour, Understanding Autoimmune, and Life Interrupted Radio, and its websites, and other media outlets is based on experience only. The information should never be used for any legal, diagnostic, or treatment purposes.